Singles and doubles, no triples. Here's Gobert. Swatted away by OG. From a triple L to four wins, the Raptors' momentum has changed within a week and without three of their star players. Last time we picked off, we were just introducing the third loss, uh, the start of our Western Conference road trip, a loss to a very strong Nugget side led by Nikola Jokic and Jeremy Grant. Um, but then we bounced back for efficient comfortable wins starting with phoenix then moving to golden state with which was steph curry's first game back from injury then we took on sacramento and won in a tight game and then lastly a game we'll get into further throughout the podcast a very comfortable win against the utah jazz um there was some themes running throughout all these games uh there was also players out, certain people turning up. It was very much a case of next man up for Toronto. But to discuss all these games, and particularly the, the Utah Jazz game, uh, we got to welcome back Varel to the podcast. Well, some people, like Mel said, we had a very exciting week as Raptors fans. And, uh, you know, again, it's all about resilience. It's something we've talked about all season long. This is a team that however many men they have out, uh, the opposing team might look at the team sheet and go, you know what? Fred Van Vliet's not there, Mark Gasol's not there. They might start licking their lips, they start getting excited, but this is a team that plays through adversity, that hopefully can continue the same mentality going into the playoffs. And like Kamel said, we'll just go into a deep dive in all four of the games that the, uh, t- uh, the team won. Great, so uh, let's get through the first three games for the main event. Um, a victory over the Phoenix Suns means the Raptors complete the series sweep, having completed a similar win not too long ago. Um, this required a fourth quarter comeback. Um, yeah. The Suns did push the Raptors really hard in the fourth quarter, and the Raptors actually trailed by 17 points at one time in the second quarter. Uh, but it was in, that, in fact, Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry that secured the victory. Of course, they were helped out by Norman Powell, who's been a revelation in, and we'll do a separate feature on him because he deserves that in itself. He's been a revelation. He scored 26. But interestingly enough, uh, Chris Boucher, it's a name we haven't heard for a while, but with a dagger three, something you don't, you normally, you know, normally expect Boucher to be blocking the dagger threes rather than (laughs) himself. But he scored 19 points and got 15 rebounds in Quite an important West Coast win. Um, This was the first one back, of course, after the Nuggets loss. Uh, Four losses in a row. I'm not sure if the Raptors have had that all season. Of course, we'll discuss the idea of losing and winning momentum a little bit later, especially when it comes to the Bucks. But it was important to squeeze out this victory uh, because otherwise, you know, it could have been a very ugly West Coast road trip. Um, As we sort of play the Suns for the last time this season and that's the last time we'll, of course, see the Suns in real action till till the next season. Uh, Farrell, are there any sort of thoughts for you on that team in particular? I remember, and I, I'll quote myself from last time, they're a team that play better than their records. Um, do, do you have any sort of thoughts on, on their prospects next season? Yes. Um, 
See, this was a really interesting game because, again, due to the injuries which we've been talking about, I mean, at points during the season, of course, and going into the playoffs, we'll be looking to play Marcus Sol as our starting center. But, you know, Ibaka has had to play a large role in, um, you know, filling in that position. And interestingly, in this game, we had Pascal Siakam starting at center. And so, as a Phoenix Suns fan, you're kind of, again, you're, you're, quite positive going into this game you're saying look Deontre Ayton who's um, this season like going into the season you would think look Ayton's making the leap this year um, you'd say to yourself uh, you'd take that match up despite uh, you know Siakam's verticality and his long uh, long uh, reach and length you'd say look he should be dominating on the inside and interestingly um, Ayton was rather quiet this game and I think uh, interestingly for me, I'd say it was, it's kind of been thematic of the season as a whole. Um, I think if Baines had actually been healthy the whole season, um, maybe playing him and Aiton as like a one-two one punch at centre would actually be more beneficial for the team because you just you should expect somebody like Aiton to he should be dropping like. Honestly, like 25 and 13, although he did get 14 rebounds in the game. Like you said, Siakam had 33 points from center. Chris Boucher, who played the large um, majority of his minutes in and around the center position during this game, he was, like you said, he scored 19 points this game with 15 rebounds. And I think if you're the Suns, you'd expect your star big man to uh, really step up and make a larger contribution than he did. Yeah, that's more than fair. Um, well, that's all for the Suns. I'm, I'm sorry, Suns fans, apart from Aaron Baines, who, you know, I, do you remember his nine his game? He scored nine threes against the Mate, Portland Blazers. Yeah, unbelievable. And apart from Aaron Baines, um, I, I really have no comment on any players uh, in your team. Although, Devin Booker, if you're listening to this for some reason, uh, you always have a home north of the border. Um, <laughs> next next game, uh, we... I'm sure he's listening closely, Kamel. Don't worry about that. He's one of our thousands and thousands of subscribers. Um, Toronto then travelled to San Francisco, next bit of the West Coast, to take on a Golden State Warriors team who, at the time, were 14 and 49. But uh, they were a little different. They had Steph Curry back. Curry, of course, um, I think, ironically, the time I've enjoyed watching him most is the time I've watched him most closely, and that was in the 2019 NBA Finals, when, from Game 1 to Game 6... And of course, apart from that uncharacteristic miss at the end of Game Six, which could have, you know, taken the taken the series to seven, um, is is just so brilliant to watch. And I think as soon as he got back on the court, he reminded NBA fans of all teams why he's so important to the league. He's a revolutionary player in himself. Yeah. Did you yeah. did you well said, well said. did you watch his comeback? Um. Uh, scored 23 points it was only three from 12 from three point range but um it kind of showed what what the league was missing didn't it bro yeah absolutely um it's everything he does for that team uh he sets everything up i mean uh he, he did start off very cold from three point but you could just see he was warming up and to be honest when i was looking at his shot he it did look very rusty in terms of uh, his mechanics of course steph We've lauded as possibly, you know, one of the greatest mechanical shooters ever. Just the the consistency hat he has with the top half of his body, not his bottom half so much. His 
legs kind of flay everywhere. Maybe it's something to do with his foot fetish. Who knows? He gets distracted Excuse by. Me? He gets Excuse distracted. Me? This is a this is a this is a um, family family podcast, sir. Look, it's an important point I'm making. He might potentially he's getting distracted by his own feet, and hence, you know, he's got a whole array of landing positions with those feet of his. But uh, uncharacteristically, even his upper body, um, it it didn't seem consistent. And of course, he had a left hand injury, so perhaps he's still, you know, a bit apprehensive shooting. But in my opinion, in this game, if they played Steph throughout the fourth quarter, because of course uh, they took him out. Um, I th- and given the fact that the Raps did also come back in the fourth quarter as well, I genuinely could have seen the Warriors take this one. Yeah, but of course, in the end, it was uh, not Siakam or Lowry that secured it. It was Norman Powell with a career-high 37 points. And um, it's a runoff. And I think I'll go into my segue into him now because Powell... In the last few games, and I, I would say actually since December, he's been probably the Raptors' best player. It's a player, of course, who in recent times has been criticised as inconsistent. It's a player who hasn't necessarily justified his contract, even though it is only $10 million a year, which for a player of his stand is pretty good. It's just his injuries, his inconsistency over past seasons that have let him down. But you look at this season, and you just look at his stats, even counting in the slow start, it's 44 games. He's shooting 50% from the field, 40% from three. And he's scoring almost 17 points a game. He's adding four rebounds to that and uh, one and a half steals a game. He's delivering. And on this West Coast road trip, including the loss against Denver, he scored 24 against the Nuggets, 26 against the Suns, 37 against Golden State, and as well move on to shortly 31 against the Kings. He's pulling it out when the likes of Siakam and Lowry, when their game is off. He's quickly becoming that third option that the Raptors need. I mean, I know Van Vliet can do it, but in some ways he's too similar a player to Lowry. And when defences can shut down that pair of short shooting guards, short point guards, you need uh, an explosive slasher like Norman Powell to bring something different to the table. And so his performances recently are really, really encouraging for playoffs. Of course, he went down against uh, the Kings. Uh, he went down against Utah, sorry, was, but he'll be back. Yes, which was extremely frustrating, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's all That's all on the uh, on the Warriors game. Um, and just to say on normal Powell, uh, just to make yeah. one quick point, if he improves his three throw shooting this season, so they say when he comes back, there's actually a possibility for him to have a 50, 40, 90 season. Which, again, if you'd ask fans beforehand, like the, before the season started, I never ever would have guessed that. At the moment, he's uh, 50.2% from the field, uh, field goal percentage. He's just under 40% from three, and he's 84% from the free throw line. So, I mean, he'd have to take. Um, a ridiculous number of successive makes from the free throw line but um, either way his shooting splits are fantastic and like you said he's been more aggressive this season um, uh, he's, he's always been an excellent finisher at the rim and when it comes to consistency it was previously his consistency from you know three point range some games you'd go like two from nine some games it'd be like three from four four from four and 
it really is bringing that level of consistency and that's why again to see him get injured yet again uh, as a Raptors fan it was very frustrating uh, given his form but hopefully when he comes back he'll be able to find his feet and uh, I hope that Nick Nurse say even if he has the option of Lowry and Van Vliet I hope um, he'll play normal Powell uh, close to starting minutes when he comes back yeah, I mean, it'll be difficult with everyone coming coming back, but, um, you know, you can't say he doesn't deserve it. And even if he, he doesn't uh, get in that starting lineup, he's he's secured his place as the sixth or seventh man off the bench and uh, to lead that sort of second unit. Um, the Raptors actually clinched a playoff berth with that win over the Warriors. Um, Varel, do you remember some of the predictions at the start of the season? Um, apparently, some people thought that a Kawhi-less Raptors wouldn't even make eighth seed, and yet they have cl- they were the second team in the East to clinch a playoff berth. What does this sort of say about the state of? Uh, I'm not I'm not calling any names out here, but what does this say about the American media's attitude towards the Toronto Raptors, even after an NBA championship? I mean, it's that's such a difficult question to disentangle um i don't actually think i have a response for you if you have a response to your own question kamel please uh, feel free to answer because i sure. really have no explanation for it um well it's 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 credit to masai ujiri and nick nurse who made shrewd moves in the summer they didn't spend i mean they hardly spent anything but for example uh, the likes of Matt Thomas and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson have added some much-needed depth. Even Patrick McCaw, who we'll move on to a bit, he's not the most well-liked player among the Toronto fan base, but he's a very important player, and he brings a sort of winning attitude with him, a winning mentality. <laughs> Three-peated. Three-peats? Yeah, he's course, one of the other players to do that. Could could could, you, could uh, four-peats, if that's what it's called. But those sort of shrewd moves have offset the idea of um, the the ability that Kawhi brings, of course, Siakam's continued growth is the right time, arguably, for him to become the number one option. So while I don't blame uh, the American media, it's it's very frustrating to see that the Raptors weren't even predicted by some analysts to make the lower Eastern seeds. And if you look at them this season, they yeah. you know you have a team with Kyle Lowry, Gasol, Ibaka, Siakam. That's a team that will, regardless of how anyone else plays, that's a team that will challenge. So, it's 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 a multitude of facts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we said going into the season, like if if the Raptors didn't make it to say the top five or let's say six seeds, um, we'd be absolutely astounded. I mean, like for them to drop below, like say the Orlando Magic or the Brooklyn Nets without Kevin Durant, like it. Even we said during our predictions, like that would have been absolutely absurd for that to have happened. So, like you said, um, I, I think it has something to do with the fact that you know it's not a very sexy place, is it, Toronto? Like, uh, I, I know. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> I, I know, Kamel. It, it was sexy. Look, it's Toronto. Okay, you, you know what? You go. You go. You go. Toronto was, of course, sexified with uh, Kamel's appearance there. He he stayed there for a year, of course. Like. During that period, you could say, you know, it it's, it added a bit of uh, pizzazz to the city during his stay. But that aside, I think uh, it's the same thing with like the Denver Nuggets or the Utah Jazz. They're, yeah, like 
it's just that the media doesn't really care about what those cities offer let's say outside sports and so for whatever reason uh they just choose not to report on them to this uh same extent at least that's uh partly why i think that's the case man this guy is comparing toronto to denver and utah <laughs> one day one day we'll um when we get our courtside passes when we get our media passes to the to the uh air canada center well, I'll show, I'll show you what it's like. I'll show you what it's like. Yeah, but, uh, right. that's a deal. That's a deal. Right. Um, the Kings game wasn't so interesting more than that it was a tight win, which it's a game, again, the Raptors could have lost. But as um, the, the lesser Bogdanovich said after, you know, this win showed why the Raptors are NBA champions because they've got that DNA. Um, yeah. I think we should move straight, straight on to the uh, Utah Jazz game. Now, the Jazz, yeah. for those who've listened to this podcast before... It's a team very close to your heart. And I think there would be nothing more justified than for you to take the lead on this game and maybe on the Jazz's wider form in general. The only reason I'm disappointed about this game is that Utah didn't win. I mean, this is one of the greatest teams in NBA history. Um, they're not showing it this season. I know uh, even some analysts are saying, oh, we're very surprised that Utah are the fourth seed. I'm... I'm surprised. I'm surprised they're not in the top three seeds. It's pitiful. It's not good enough for the kind of star power that they have. And I, I potentially you guys might detect a bit of sarcasm, but I'm not even being that sarcastic. They are. They have the potential to be really competing with the Clippers and the Lakers come playoff time. And um, there's one or two things that when when I look at this Utah team, so in the last 25 games, if you just look at their record, I mean, uh, it's something I saw on Twitter, but it, it looks like something you'd ride at Thorpe Park. Um, a, a terrifying roller coaster that is. They had like five wins in a row or six wins in a row, four losses, four losses in a row, and then six wins in a row again, and then five losses in a row. Um, for whatever reason, this team. Uh, has just lacked consistency this whole season and when, when it was early season their starters were playing fantastically well and their bench wasn't performing up to scratch whereas that has completely reversed um, in the past month or two and uh, the reasons behind this I mean uh, uh, Sir Bogdanovich himself the greater Bogdanovich to uh, the lesser one that Kamen mentioned on the Kings I mean again he's he's one of the best players in the league he's been performing amazingly this season um but i wouldn't even say it's particularly down to any one player that's disappointed um but i would say that when you have royce o'neill as your main uh guarder of superstars and what i mean by that is uh usually royce o'neill is tasked with guarding the best player on the opposing team so uh, we saw that against the raptors um you know when they played the lakers he was the guy on lebron um, I think it's just not good enough come playoff time. I think he's a very good defender, um, and he surprised he surprises uh, commentators and analysts who don't know his game. He's he is a good defender, but when you're when you're having to defend the likes of Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Pascal Siakam, potentially Giannis, um, he simply doesn't have the athleticism uh, and the horizontal speed to keep up with those guys and so I think 
although their defense is so well-rounded um, and their team defense as well, uh, Utah's, I think they're always going to have a problem with superstar forwards. Um, and so I don't see that problem being fixed. Uh, when we look at the rest of the team, I mean, Conley's been playing very, very well in the past month or two. Um, you know, back to potentially his, you know, his Memphis days, uh, because he has slightly disappointed earlier on in the season. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's had a great year, of course. He was an all-star alongside Rudy Gobert, but that's the other thing. Uh, Rudy Gobert, as fantastic he is as he is on the defensive end, I think he's he, for me he's too limited offensively. And although he has 16 points a game this season, I'm questioning myself as to how, because um, his field goal percentage, Camille, have a guess what it's been since the all-star break. Uh, I'm going to guess 55%. Say again? 55%. 55%? Yeah. I I can't remember what it was. They mentioned it in the Raptors game. But I believe, and I'm, I, I hope I'm not wrong in saying this, I believe it was around 75 or 80%. Fair play. Fair Wait, play, you, Mr. Which you look at that, Kamel, you think, wow, he's been playing phenomenally. No, no, no. It's, it's more so the fact that he's just been shooting far less and he's basically been finishing off um, misses on the offensive rebounding end. So he, he's been cleaning up misses or he's just been finishing off lobs. Like, the ball should be coming to Gobert in the low post and whether he goes up with some sort of low post move or uh, what I'd more so I'd like to see is for him to actually distribute to those fantastic three-point shooters because um, he's he's averaging one and a half assists a game, and for me, it, it should be around four or five assists a game. I mean, the offense should more so play around him. I mean, maybe it's a lack of vision on Gobert's part. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe that responsibility is more so shifted towards, say, Joe Ingles, who's more so like the forward facilitator for the team, but... He needs to be getting that ball in the low post more. And, uh, he needs to either be going up uh, for shots and hence working on, say, his post moves, or he needs to be acting as either a high post or a low post facilitator more so, uh, more so often. Um, I, it's just his game, like, just to encapsulate this point, really, I think it's his game offensively is very limited, and that's also going to hurt the team come playoff time. Well, that's a comprehensive overview of the wider implications of the Jazz. Um, in this game in particular, uh, of course, you might have heard at the start of the podcast, the opening was a clip of OG Ananobi blocking Rudy Gobert. Um, of course, uh, making him his son throughout the game. Um, really, you know, reflecting Gobert's uh, decline since that All-Star break. Um, they didn't play too badly, though. The Jazz. I mean, it was a very close game in the end. It required a lot of. Um, it was. It was basically the Jazz choked in the fourth quarter almost. And the last six points for the Raptors were Siakam free throws because the Jazz had to intentionally foul. So the 101 to 92 score is a little bit um, embellished in that regard. Yes. Um. But yeah, you mentioned Ingles. He had 20 points and uh, six assists. Um. O'Neal didn't do too badly with 15 points and uh, Mike Conley, the disappointment Mike Conley is uh, just scored 13 with seven assists. But it was um, for Toronto, in fact, it was Patrick McCaw 
who played 43 minutes, of course, in place of uh, the injured Norman Powell, who went down very early. Yes, in. yeah. Uh, no, he only scored two games, but his defense was excellent. He was guarding the likes of O'Neill, Conley, um, Donovan Mitchell, um, and, you know, he played extremely tough defense, which is important. He grabbed three steals as well, and it's the reliability of McCaw that makes him such a useful player. He's not only a player that can play at the point guard, uh, you know, he eats up minutes when Lowry and Van Vliet need to sit, but he's also a player that, you know, you put him on someone and he'll do a great job defensively. He's not going to be scoring much, but he's not leaking any points. And that's yeah. the difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I do want to mention for um, Utah is their bench. Um, you know, you mentioned that the overall Utah squad is, of course, excellent, good enough to make the uh, upper Western seeds. Uh, they outscored the Toronto bench 42 to 19. Uh, it's the fifth time in six games that the Jazz have scored 30 or more bench points. Is that important come playoffs when coaches tend to go to a seven or eight man rotation then? Yeah, absolutely. And talking about the Utah bench, it is mainly two or three people. I mean, uh, Jordan Clarkson has been uh, a revolution or re a revelation, sorry, uh, at Utah. Um, his shooting splits have been fantastic. And it's almost, it's the curse. I call it the curse of, uh, at the moment, it's the curse of Cleveland and uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. And that is whichever players leave, have left those two teams in the past, say, six, seven years, have gone on to play much, much better on their next team. And uh, it's certainly been the case with Jordan Clarkson. You also have um, fantastic minutes in the from the center spot. Um, for I can't quite remember his name. Uh, I'm going to quickly look it up, Kamel. But yeah. um, uh, what's this gentleman's name? Um, Tony Bradley. Yes, he's uh, he's he's come up. He's come up this season. I'm starting which to like looking at him. Yeah, which is quite surprising. I mean, um, I can't remember which year exactly he was drafted. Um, but uh, either way, um, he's been playing some important minutes for them. He's only been averaging five points, but um, yeah, he's um, he's filled in well for Gobert when he's sat on the bench. Um, and yeah, I it's it's their bench that's been really playing well in these past like ten to fifteen games. So as with any of the benches come playoffs time, uh, they're going to play large roles when you know the starters are sitting. And uh, I know that's a very very obvious point to make but yeah they just need to really continue the performance they've uh they've been the standards that they've been playing at, at, at the moment yeah we ain't too worried about the jazz here on balling no. in the six um not. so we mentioned of course the raptors winning four in a row going into quite a nice home stand against detroit and uh, golden state once again um there there's only one team ahead of the raptors in the eastern conference it's the milwaukee bucks now last week we talked about you know, is there anyone, can anyone stop Milwaukee except the likes of the Lakers? You know, can anyone even come close to them in the Eastern Conference? But Milwaukee just lost three games in a row for the first time this season. They're a team that have only lost 12 games. That's a quarter of their losses, which have just come in the last week. Now, admittedly, they've come at the Staples Center against the Lakers. They've come against the Nuggets. But in the middle of that, there was a very high scoring loss against the Suns. To add to their woes, 
Giannis just went down for two. I'm sure he'll, um, hopefully he'll come back as strong as ever. But it's never nice to have your star player go down to kind of cut that chemistry and momentum so deep into the regular season. However, we were discussing this pre-podcast. Apparently, there's no reason for the Bucks to be worried. They should be happy coasting to the rest of the season. And this sort of losing streak is just a blip. Is that right? Like I said pre-episode, Kamel. So me and Kamel, we had a... We had a heated uh, text debate, let's call it. It was a sparring session, a spar uh, of words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still left bruised and bloodied. Um, I didn't even want to talk about this. I, I didn't think this was a topic that needed to even be discussed. I'm wasting my breath at the moment. There is precious oxygen in the world that's not being utilized by people who need it because we're discussing this. Look, Milwaukee have absolutely nothing to worry about. Yanis is only going to be out for, I think, maybe one more game now. Um, did you watch the Nuggets game, Kamel? I did. I did. Um, you did? And uh, what did, what did he say about that Nuggets game? Your top scorer. Was right, it not? Did anything stand out to you? Was there anything special about that game? Um, not in particular, except the um, Nuggets got the home form, which they showed against, showed against us. Why? What stood out to you? Well, Kamel, if, uh, if you've been paying close attention, um, Milwaukee rested most of their uh, m- most of their players who play major minutes for, for practically the whole game. It was just uh, play- bench players. Like they, oh. they literally just looked at that game and went, "Ah, oh, I we just can't we can't be bothered against this Denver team. They're playing really hot at the moment. We don't need this win." Let's just rest these guys so they're fully fit and fresh come playoff time. And I think it was a wise decision. Yeah, that's true. I mean, um, there was uh, an Antikatapumo in this game, but it was (laughs) not Giannis. It was um, Thanasis, of course, um, who I believe is his brother. Yeah. Yeah, he's been Um, more of a cheerleader for the past 20 games. Yeah, he just kind kind of jumped off the bench every time Giannis has done something. Well, yeah, and it was, it was quite a fun lineup actually, because one brother started, and of course, uh, Robin Lopez started ahead of Brook Lopez for the first time this season. Yeah. So um, the two sort of, I don't know, the Bucks were trying to hide um, their resting players from Adam Silva by just putting siblings in instead of the. Yeah, I was hoping they would notice. <laughs> yeah. Potentially that. Yeah. But no, you're right. It was uh, Wesley Matthews really starts. Um, but, you know, uh, Pat Connaughton started ahead of Chris Middleton. And yeah. uh, we didn't even, didn't even get to see Mafia Boss off the bench this time. So you're that, right. That basically says everything that you need to know about that game. Yep. He's, okay. probably, having, he's probably sorting out the five families in New York. But, um, yeah, like, I'll just to give my, very quickly give my opinion on it. Um, there's no need to worry. I think... Um, I would only worry if I saw like potentially if even if they were resting players that they weren't giving a hundred percent effort because I do think you need to be sharp and focused going into the playoffs. But I still think it's quite far out and you know um, uh, as bad as it sounds, you know like taking it easy now and like accepting a couple of losses. I I don't think it's the worst idea in the world because they are a team that's not that deep. Um, I meaning if they lose even one or two players, they're unlike the Raptors. If they lose even one or two key players, like um, I think uh, their fortunes would change drastically. And so uh, I just think, given their lack of squad depth, although they 
they have good players off the bench. Each of those players on their bench are kind of key players. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's really just a smart thing to do. And that's why we I don't want us to be like other media outlets who don't kind of look at the context of these wins and losses and, uh, and you know, overreact and uh, over-exaggerate, let's say, either whether that be wins or losses, just to, you know, kind of chill out. Right, well... The only thing I have to say to that is it's understandable why the Bucks are resting players and it's understandable that they lose while they rest those players because there is a balance to be struck between going hard and asserting yourself as a dominant force in the regular season versus, you know, and and of course carrying on that momentum, which we like to discuss, against, you know, actually keeping your team healthy. Um, I would say that though they have a very difficult streak coming up in early April, which they need to negotiate ably and keep their players fresh for. It's two games against Toronto in a row, one on Thursday, one on Saturday. Yeah. And then they're at Boston on the Sunday on a back-to-back, and then they're at Philadelphia on the Wednesday. Um, oh, so they've got three tough games and one walkover win. Yeah, well, you're saying about Philly. I think Embiid and uh, Simmons are going to be back, and they're going to be ramping up for playoffs. So I wouldn't call that too easy. Like I said, yeah, it's a walkover win. So yeah, so three tough games then. Okay, so they'll have to, ne- <laughs> they'll right, have to negotiate right. that. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, well, that's all we have time for today. Um, have you noticed any other little quirks? Any little interesting nuggets apart from Denver around the NBA of course we should bring up a phenomenal LA derby on the weekend um, which saw LeBron and AD take over uh, despite Kawhi's um, of course Patrick Beverly's trolling failed to deter the Lakers this time that was a fantastic derby I'm looking really looking forward to that possible matchup in playoffs Um, of course we have uh, coronavirus meaning that teams might not necessarily be able to play in front of their fans anymore you might see a lot of tune into a lot of games and you know just hear the squeaks of the sneakers and the sound of the net which, which i think would be quite beautiful wouldn't it, it could wouldn't be uh, yeah, that's what i'm about to say it could be hauntingly beautiful um but i hope it only lasts for a few games of course as long as the uh, the virus takes to sort of contain over there but what I'd like about that also, is it's not just about, you know, the uh, amplified sound of the net, but it's also, I think it'd be quite interesting to actually hear all the players call out. Because that's, of course, something people have said with like these Italian games. It's interesting hearing all the players chatter. And so um, given that communication is probably more key in basketball, like that'd be quite interesting uh, from that aspect as well. No, that's very true. That's very true. And... You know, it'd be quite interesting to see Nick Nurse actually shout when to go to his boxing one, when to go to the full court press. Yes. He's one of the, uh, one of the biggest tinkerers in the NBA. So it's a, it's a great insight into the mind. And um, if anyone from The Athletic is listening to this, I see you, Blake and Eric. We came up with the idea first. So credit us before you, um, before you, before you do that. Thank you. That's all we have time for. <laughs> I, wasn't... I, I was waiting for you to say something. Oh, I don't know what you just said. Whoa, who's Blake and Eric? From the, the Athletic, the NBA writers. They're two great writers, but I'm worried they might do a feature 
on 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 how Nick Nurse Nick Nurse's shoutouts in a silent Toronto Raptors stadium. <laughs> Uh, well, well, well. In any sense, that's a, that's probably means we should end it now. Well, thanks once again for appearing on the podcast. The Raptors have got, uh, as we said, Detroit and Golden State coming up before a tricky um, trip to Philadelphia. Of course, in your mind, easy, and then a very difficult homestand against Boston, Denver, and LA. But we will be recording most likely after the Philly game next week. Hot mic. Well, hot mic. Hot mic. What? Uh, should we bring that up now, Camille? Um, got- yeah, the, the balling in the six may or may not be in discussions with a certain streaming company, which as soon as negotiations are successful, we will bring right to your ears. Uh, for now, though, make sure you subscribe to us. Give us five stars on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can reach us on Spotify, Stitcher Podcast, Podcast Addict. We are syndicated to every good podcast network in the world uh, tune us there follow us on twitter at balling in the six well you still don't have a twitter for some reason but you can also follow me at underscore swallowteriat um otherwise adieu love you and leave you people <laughs> <laughs>